it was really late at night. We are following this car and this car flies by us. And then all of a sudden, 500 feet ahead of us, they slam on their brakes and they keep doing this for six, seven, eight miles. And the car makes a right turn into the ditch. Just boop. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bob Meat. And I'm Karen G. And we're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives around the world. But a little quick car keeping before we meet today's driver. We're starting to line up guests for season six. So if you or anybody you know would be interested in coming on the show, you can fill out the interest form in the show notes below or visit our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. We look forward to hearing your stories. And now let's meet today's driver, Rob from Wisconsin. Rob Conlon is the founder of Westport Studios, LLC. Whether he's recording audiobooks and advertisements, building and hiring for multi-million dollar client service departments, creating Stevie Award-winning social media experiences, or producing any one of the dozens of podcasts he's been involved in, Rob lives and breathes audio, audience building, and podcasts. Here's Rob. Welcome, Rob, to Drive With Us Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here, both of you. I really appreciate you having me on. And this is one that took too long for me to get my rear and gear on, so I apologize. It has been a long time coming, but we're super excited to hear your crazy driving stories, especially the little glimpse that we've gotten. But before we dive into those crazy driving stories, let's get to know a little bit about you as a driver. How would you describe your relationship with driving? It's one of those really strange things of... Everybody in society thinks they're an above average driver. I actually think I am an above average, average driver. And that's not me trying to be pompous or full of myself, but I tend to make fewer mistakes. Now, if you ask my wife what kind of driver I am, I am an overly cautious driver. And I think that probably has some overlap in the way I see myself versus the way she sees me. I don't tend to take too many risks, uh, although maybe some of the upcoming stories will uh, <laughs> prove that. Yeah, I feel like that's something that just comes with age. The older you get, the more experience you have. You start to mellow out a little more. Most definitely. I think it's one of those things where, especially as a guy, like you're a teenager and you're just this crockpot of hormones that's awful and you want to do everything because you think you're invincible. Back then, I did have some very big things that I did that were not smart, but less so than some of my friends who one got run over by another one of my friend's cars, one wrapped his around a tree. There was all sorts of wild stories that are not my driving stories to tell. It's interesting. I completely agree how you said that everyone thinks that they're an above average driver. Let's go into your crazy driving experiences and see what kind of things you've experienced on the road. One of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life was my grandmother owned a 1998 Toyota Avalon. And if anybody knows what that car looks like, it's very plain. It's technically a Lexus with just different stickers and decals on it. And this thing is a sleeper of a car. It is a grandma and grandpa looking sedan thing. But my grandparents went in on it really big with what was under the hood. They opted for like the premium engine and the extra transmission, all of these other things. It's not racing stuff or anything like that, but it certainly wasn't this slow little car. Well, my silly self, I was probably 19 or 20 years old. I was going to college on the western side of Wisconsin. I live on the eastern side of Wisconsin. And I was driving back to college between Sparta, Wisconsin and La Crosse, Wisconsin. And if you know anything about that part of the state, it's right before things get hill and valley before the Mississippi River. There are some very straight stretches of freeway there that go for 
20, 30 miles, things like that. I thought, man, you know what? I've got this car that's a sleeper. You know, I've never been a racer or anything like that, but like, she moves pretty good. I wonder how fast this thing can go. And of course, you're this, again, very late teens, early 20s mindset of, how fast can the car go? And it's like, this is the dumbest thing ever. You hit a deer, you're dead. And then, of course, I'm thinking, oh, the sheriff's not going to be around the next crossover. The speed limit there at the time was 65. And I took that grandma car all the way up to 128 miles an hour. And I still had a gear to go. At that point, the logic side of my brain kicked in and said, you're going to be that young, dumb guy who dies. And I said, oh, I had this like break point epiphany of, wow, this is a really bad idea. I don't know how to slow down from this speed. I just coasted it right down because if I wiggle my wheel to the side, left or right, man, I'm going off at a, at a giant angle into a ditch. That was a really dumb idea, especially after having four years of driving experience. At least you had the realization to slow down because I feel like some people might, in that case, at that age, might just keep going and then it would end badly and then be like, oh, that wasn't smart. Right. Top it out and something fails. Then you're in real trouble. Oof. I counted my lucky stars that day for sure. Another one when I was a bit younger, I had just met my wife a couple of years beforehand and it was really late at night. It was 1130 midnight, something like that. We we're a little tired from a full day of work and then a three and a half hour drive and two hours through it. And we are following this car and this car flies by us, not 128 miles an hour fast, but you know, 90. We go, whoa, man, what's, what's his hurry? And then all of a sudden, 500 feet ahead of us, they slam on their brakes and they keep doing this for six, seven, eight miles of just this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, what is this person's problem? So we got on the phone with the highway, highway patrol and said, we're west of Exonia and we're trapped. And this is in the time before like smartphones were ubiquitous. So we had, you know, Nokia's and we are witnessing what we think is a, a drunk driver. And this person is acting tremendously dangerously. Get out here before they, they kill somebody. That's not us trying to be like a Karen. This person flew by us and was actively menacing other drivers. And we didn't want to necessarily go and like, try to pass this person because we figured they'd just clip us. Well, we follow this car at a at a distance because it's the only road, major road across Wisconsin. There's a couple others, but <laughs> the only, the fastest major road at that hour. And all of a sudden we're traveling the same lane, right-hand lane, third of a mile back. We're just keeping our distance here. Car makes a right turn into the ditch, just boom, and goes 150 feet out into a swampy marsh slash cornfield and i'm like really really and there's nobody around it's in the middle of rural farm country we're the only car behind them on the road and we called the highway patrol 20 minutes ago so we're not even anywhere close to where we were it's like oh crap at the time i'm like 23 now and again hopefully a little bit older and wiser than story number one but it's like what if this person is really hurt well, I've got to first respond to it. And so I pull the car over and of course I'm there with my girlfriend who is now my wife and you care about people out on a dark and lonesome highway. I said, if anything goes wrong, you just drive, scoot over the console and you just drive away. Leave me here. I go and I approach the vehicle as best I can. And all of a sudden the driver's door bursts open and this raggedy woman piles out and it's like what is going on here i can barely see her in the dark but i can tell that this is a a very disheveled woman and she stumbles back towards me and i, I kind of like are, are you okay and i she's moving fairly well i'm assuming she's no not on a broken leg or anything like that 
but she's coming back towards me and this woman is liquored up beyond belief this woman is so drunk and i'm like are you okay she's like yeah i'm fine it's great i'm like I think we've got some help coming for you. I don't want to be the bad guy here, but you're hammered and you just drove your car off the road and you probably need some help that I shouldn't provide. She eventually works her way over through the actual swampy ditch area and back up onto the shoulder of the road. And she sits down right next to me and we wait for the cops. In that time, she tells me her life story. I don't remember much of it now because it's like 12 years later, but I can still remember how she told me that she had a falling out with her mother and that's why she had drank so heavily tonight. And I just remember saying to her, your mom is glad you're alive right now. Something may happen to you here very shortly that is going to change your life. But I can tell you, I'm glad you're okay and your mom is glad you're okay. Then one of Wisconsin Highway Patrol's finest rolls up a few minutes later. I mean, it took him forever to get there. This officer rolls up. He doesn't even ask who I am. And he's just like, what's the deal? Who is she? And why is that car in the ditch? And I went, her name is, I can't remember what her name was, but like her name is Diane or whatever it might be. And that is her car in the ditch. Do you need anything from the officer? He says, no, go. And I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> so I jump back in the car and I am out of there as fast as I could be. I never did find out or was even contacted for what happened there. But actually, I was just driving back the night before last from Madison. And I passed that spot and I had a major flashback. But I hope she turned her life around. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, my gosh. I've heard in those stories that the drunk driver usually doesn't get as hurt as whoever they end up hitting. If they do end up hitting someone. So maybe she just didn't feel it in the moment. They bounce. They really do. How you were describing the other night that you went past that spot and you just pictured it all over again. I had a similar experience where I saw someone, they were going the opposite direction that I was going and they didn't realize a person in front of them had stopped to turn. And they last minute swerved, bounced off the guardrail and left like a huge chunk of paint from their car. And they were able to correct themselves and keep going. But like every time I pass that spot, I just see the car just bouncing off the guardrail. You have to be very careful. You never know who's going to be driving intoxicated or who's going to be driving like a crazy person. You also both don't live in Wisconsin. I have a, a friend from a former Soviet satellite state who has said to me at one point, he lives uh, just south of me here. He has said in his very thick Belarusian accent, Rob, Wisconsin is as drunk as society can be without being Soviet Union. <laughs> so... <laughs> We have a bit of a problem here, unfortunately. It's a pretty interesting culture here in the state of Wisconsin when alcohol gets mixed with really bad decisions with motor vehicles. And yeah, that's maybe that's my little little soapbox for the day is, you know, the guy from the state that's got the drinking problem. Like, kids, don't drink and drive. If you listen to the podcast, don't drink and drive, folks. Oh, wow. I did not know that. What would you say is your third craziest driving experience? This one is the, res the result of me being in a car at the right place in the right time. This happened just a couple of years ago. Actually, this is probably about three or four years back, just before the pandemic. And my wife and I are driving down a road in that same grandma car, the 98 Avalon. It has since been retired, unfortunately. But we are talking to each other. We're probably four blocks from home here in, in the small town I live in. And there is a county highway that intersects a, another more farm style road, you know, those lesser paved roads. But this county highway intersects this farm road and it's an uncontrolled intersection, or rather it's a two-way stop. So the county highway keeps going, but the, the cross traffic does not stop. 
and we're rolling up to this about going about 30 miles an hour and all of a sudden we see a suv from the stopped portion pull into traffic and get immediately t-boned by an oncoming vehicle it was one of those slow motion things of like did that just happen it was like a movie it, it was really surreal now the interesting thing between reacting to this accident versus drunk lady from last time was I spent a lot of uh, my career in between then and now in and around an industry that deals with things like self-defense and responding to emergencies and responding to stressful situations. So I had a completely different skill set walking into this second accident. On the outside, it looked far more severe than what it was. The back axle of vehicle A was torn off by vehicle B and thrown halfway over. Vehicle A almost rolled in the initial impact. Vehicle B front was just smashed to oblivion. But when I got out of my vehicle and took all of this training of to my wife, Katie, I need you to call 911. Here's where we are. I'm going to go help white car. There is going to be somebody else helping blue car because there was another person on the scene at the time. This is where I'm going. You know, I took my, my trauma kit. I am walking up to this white Jeep Grand Cherokee and this thing is just mauled. It's just destroyed. And I am going through my head, walking to this, this emergency. You can't just like run up on it because you have to take the time to process what's going on. I'm going, this person is going to be in really bad shape, Rob. You need to make sure that you, you know, follow protocols, making sure that you're not overstepping your bounds as a first responder, because this person could be really, really hurt. I get to the side of the vehicle and I wrench open the door and there's a, a middle-aged woman sitting there. She's dazed, but not a drop of blood. I couldn't believe it. She's like, what the heck just happened to me? And, you know, of course I said, hi, I'm Rob. You've been in a, in a, a T-bone accident. I need you to reach and turn your vehicle off so that we don't have a fire. And she does that, grabs her keys and everything like that. And she's in one piece. Yeah, she's hurting like she's been hit with like a couple of hammers. The thing that I learned that day was that vehicles are really engineered to protect people nowadays. It's really cool because the aesthetics of this car were just unbelievably ruined. This car could have gone through a, a crusher and come out better looking, but she came out in one piece with a backache after smashing into basically a brick wall at 40 miles an hour. And that was, that was just wild. The neat thing about that was the, the local police here in Port Washington, where I live, they were on the scene within two minutes, but it was really neat that day to see a bunch of people who we, none of us knew who got hit. But as a result of that, the, the folks who responded to the accident and we, we did it, we got everybody out and home safe, which was really a cool thing. I'm so glad that they were not hurt. They're making cars so well now, like it obviously did its job. Yeah. She was okay. Cars will get destroyed. You can replace your car, but you, you can't replace you. Right. Or pieces of you. And I should add uh, to this story that one thing that you should remember everyone is that if you're in an accident, grab your phone, grab your phone because she didn't and they felt terrible because <laughs> they towed her car away and she was sans a cell phone. I mean, we obviously got her connected with the people she needed to get connected with, but if you're in an accident, take your phone. When you've never been in one and you're in your first accident, you just don't know what to do in that situation. You don't know what steps to take or like what things to take or how to handle the situation, right. especially since it is the first one. And I don't think it's taught at all. When I got in my first, it wasn't that bad, but I didn't know what to do. I was just like, 
<laughs> I'm clueless. <laughs> but speaking of other drivers and your crazy driving stories, how would you describe other drivers either in there you live or different places that you have been? I love this question. First, there's there's something here, and I'm sure this is for many Midwestern states. The term flatlander is, is a big one here. And we often refer to those folks who are just a little bit oblivious in their driving. Ah, you darn flatlander, you know, insert four letter words here. I know you said this is a clean, clean podcast. There are things that we say, but there's also a very special type of driver here in Wisconsin. And it's, it's an invasive species and that is called the FIB. And if you've never heard that before, and no matter where you're from, FIB is an abbreviation for effing Illinois that is the the abbreviation there and if you know anything about the rivalry between wisconsin and illinois they don't like us we don't like them we have special terms for them i don't know if they have a special term for us but there is a definite amount of folks from illinois who come to wisconsin for summer leisure and you can just tell when somebody's got an illinois plate not just because they have an illinois plate obviously but they are driving 15 miles an hour over the speed limit they are weaving in and out of traffic because they just want to get somewhere and of course when you combine this with the slightly more laid-back style of driving in wisconsin maybe not quite flatlander but sort of somewhere in between flatlander and fib you get this real mess i didn't know that there was such an intense rivalry between the two states but it's funny uh, how you can tell who's from illinois <laughs> oh totally and and you don't again you don't even have to see their their license plate it's like that guy is totally from illinois and you go ah, yep he is <laughs> it's it's bad it's really bad that's so interesting we had so many people who live in illinois on the podcast before and they've never mentioned anything of that that's interesting that you're saying that <laughs> and also it kind of reminds me of for us it's us maryland versus pennsylvania i feel like <laughs> We notice when it's a Pennsylvania driver oh, yeah. on the road. You can just I've, notice. I've been out that way too. And and yeah, I, I, I got a lot of Wisconsin vibes from Pennsylvania. So I have a feeling it's probably a very similar relationship. So you're saying Maryland's the Illinois? <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not the Illinois. I, I wonder what someone from Pennsylvania thinks of Maryland drivers. There's your next guest. <laughs> Find somebody from yeah. Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive a little bit more into you as a driver. What would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? I really hate when people linger in the left lane, not going five over. Like I get that you, you know, you don't have to go ultra fast, but if people are passing you on the right, you need to just get over. I get that if you are making effort, if you're passing a big truck or something like that, and you're not doing that ultra fast, I can deal with that. We, we, we see the progress bar on the truck, if you will, by passing it. It's one of those things where if you're oblivious to what's going on around you and you're getting passed on the right more than once, like I can get that from, from folks to be like, oh, oh gosh, man, I am going too slow. Let's move over. But if you're consistently getting passed on the right, like that just burns me, man. That's hilarious. Here, if you are driving in the left lane, which is, a, I think, a common complaint of Maryland drivers is that we drive in the left lane. Like the slower people tend to drive in the left lane than the right lane and everyone passes on the right. And it's hard when you are in that situation and you're trying to move right and you can't because everyone is passing you on the right. Oh my God, that might be my hell. That, that might be my circle <laughs> of hell. Oh my gosh. We don't have one of those like stay right except to pass kind of laws oh, interesting very interesting the other thing that really ticks me off is when people fly by disabled vehicles or emergency vehicles that are responding to 
to stuff too fast. Like that is that is the one thing where it's like, man, I just wish I had a rocket launcher on the side of my car. I could just, you know, just nail that guy. Now who needs the emergency vehicle? <laughs> Yeah, just don't come to Maryland. <laughs> that happens here all the time. <laughs> yeah, there is a, another place I drive fairly frequently too, and that is the corridor between Tampa and Sarasota in Florida. My folks have a house down there for the family, and that 30-mile stretch of freeway south of Tampa, once you get across Sunshine Skyway and down actually onto Florida proper, not not the little peninsula that Tampa's on with, you know, Clearwater and St. Petersburg. Once you get back down onto the continental type of Florida, people are nuts on that road. People are going 100 miles an hour. It's like, what What are you guys doing? <laughs> like, what? This is a four-lane highway, and everybody's got a death wish. It's like Mad Max, man. It's it's absolutely wild. I never enjoyed driving it, and it's always busy. It's a great place to visit, but gosh, do I hate driving. <laughs> yeah, we've heard a lot about the craziness that is Florida driving. So that's a place that I don't want to drive. In. <laughs> oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. Switching gears a little bit, let's go back to your first time driving experience. I know it might have been a while ago, but how would you describe that experience? And what was the test like for you? My test, actually, I took it a ways away from my home. We took it on like a, a family road trip at one point in time. And we just kind of stopped in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, you know, which is south of Milwaukee because it was at the time they didn't have the ability to online schedule driving tests or it was really rudimentary and there was a shortage at the time. So we went down and took this test and I almost hit a perfect driver's test. I almost hit a perfect driver's test because I aced everything on the test and the one thing I did not do, the only point they knocked me down on this entire test was not putting a blinker on when turning into the parking space at the end of the test at the DMV. <laughs> oh, it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating because it was, it, was it was the perfect test. It was the perfect driver's test. And the, the instructor goes, you know you had a perfect test, right? And I said, yeah, I really didn't want to mark you down on the blinker, but I had to. It's one of those things where like you make it back to the DMV and oh. you're like, I'm done. Whew, relax. And then you park and they're like, what was that sign you just passed? It's like, what? I'm done. <laughs> what was I telling you? Don't ask me that. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Switching gears again a little bit, let's talk about the future of driving. What are your thoughts on getting in a self-driving car? And is this something that you would be interested in? I'm really split on this. I like the idea of if cruise control would watch out for stuff around me, that would be awesome. If I could reliably take my hands off the wheel and just, you know, focus on the ride and be able to, you know, grab back on instantly, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think a self-driving car for freeway distances, things like that. You should be able to take a nap. I really don't. I think that's a terrible idea. But to make things a little bit more enjoyable for a driver, I can see sort of an autopilot, much like planes use, you know, the captain's there for, you know, takeoffs, landings, and problems, basically. I can see that being really useful, and that'd be something I'd be interested in. Something I, that concerns me a little bit about the, the way that cars have been going lately is they have screens, big ones. And that seems really distracting to myself. Even in, even nowadays, when you're dealing with something that's maybe just four by four or five by four, you know, when I initially started driving my 2012 car that I own, it was like, wow, that's a really distracting display. And I think that there's a big time no-no there for for auto manufacturers and for for drivers that there is there is a huge 
distraction there. And I think that that makes for things that are very unsafe. One of the other things that I think is interesting with self-driving or voice-activated things, I hope that heavy machinery and other things like that never go as voice-activated because Slicetron 6000 stop is not something I'm going to be uttering when my arm is, you know, in that thing up to its shoulder. You know, Slicetron 6000 stop, 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 <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, and I feel like every year that they come out with a new car, the screen is just getting bigger and bigger oh and gosh. bigger. Don't the new Teslas have like a 24-inch monitor or something like that? Like, I think I'm on a 24 right now, and this is looking like the screen that is in a Tesla. It's wild. Yeah, yeah when you're talking about voice activation, some voice activation systems don't even understand what you're saying. So imagine if that was the case, and you're like trying to tell it to do something, yes. and it just... Well, <laughs> and you can't really articulate it well because it has your arm pinched in it or something like that. Man, this can't, my, my Alexa thing can't get my grocery list right. My, I always leave the, the misspelled stuff on there for my, my other half. They're like, what is red pudding? Did you mean bread pudding? You know, or like, oh, red pudding. I found some. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bonus question time. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? At the risk of sounding ageist. I would want folks to be tested for driving more than once during their life and with increasing frequency as people age, only because the woman that owned that 98 Avalon, my own grandmother, was a menace on the road as she aged. Jane Conlon should not have been driving after about age 72. However, she drove until about 87. <laughs> In this case. And that car had some of the battle scars to prove that Jane should not have been driving. I think more testing of folks' skills throughout their lives, and you know, they, they may have developed bad habits over 10 or 15 years. I don't know what the magic number is to retest people at. That is not a burden on the privilege of driving, because when you mandate testing or mandate a license, it's generally a tax on the poor, and I'd like to be uh, aware of and and considerate of that and also driving is a thing of freedom driving is is so delightfully american in that it is truly a freedom thing and i think when you approach the older generations about perhaps taking away that freedom i think it's a very slippery slope on that i i do still think it would be tremendously important for us and even at age 36 here it would probably be good for me to have a, a driver retest. I know that there was one or two things over the course of my life that my folks had to stop me when I was a younger guy and be like, you know you're doing that wrong. A, that's illegal. And B, you're going to get us killed. You're actually not the first one to say that. We have so many guests more say, recently. <laughs> yeah, say that really? that should be a thing. Yeah. Well, we're coming close to the end of our episode. Do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers? I'll give you the, the one, the best piece of advice that has saved me countless accidents throughout my life. Literally, this has saved me 20 or 30 times minimum. It's a piece of advice from my dad. And he, is, he has always told me that the road to disaster has many exits. Make sure you take one. So what I mean by that is if you are in a situation that you have an out from, even if it puts you behind schedule or whatever it might be, in order to be a good driver, you take that thing that gets you away from having a problem when you're in your vehicle. There was a phrase that I ran across, and I'm sure it's been mentioned on the show before, that good drivers miss their exits. Bad drivers never do. So make sure you leave that room for you to make a mistake and leave that room for somebody else to make a mistake and that you can have time to recover from their mistake and find that 
that out, that exit. The other thing my dad always told me is always have an exit plan if something is to happen to you when you're driving. And what that means is, is that if you're behind somebody, you have to think at least three different ways that if they stop dead in front of you, that you can get out and not hit them. If you have three, chances are one of them is going to be open. It's up to you to pick that one. It's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Yeah, sometimes in the moment when you get advice from your parents, you're just like, you know, you kind of brush it off. But then when ah. you actually have the chance to use that advice, you're like, oh, I'm so glad they told me that. Yes. And it's always important to have an out, like you said. Always have an escape plan. Always look around and have ways to go because people will stop randomly in front of you, especially on the highway. Traffic yeah. just stops and goes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really great talking to you. Before we let you go, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you? The best ways to probably connect with me, listeners, is uh, number one, through my own podcast. I run a show about uh, helping folks find jobs. We've actually been tremendously successful with that. And my show is called Recruiting Help, and it's all about helping folks who are out of work find jobs whether they're looking for a new job or a better job. And over the past two years, it's helped secure more than $1.5 million in salaries and benefits for people to listen to it. If you want to you know, reach out to me a little bit more personally, LinkedIn is my playground. That's where you'll find me, Rob Conlon on LinkedIn, uh, Rob with two Bs. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I have to say your podcast is amazing. I've listened to it and super helpful. You are too kind, my friend. You are too kind. And I'm Neeterran you. Thank you both. Could you imagine witnessing a drunk driver just go off the road or a T-bone accident? Like just seeing it in real life. The craziest was a drunk lady. Like just you're driving at, what was she, like 90 or something? And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop. <laughs> the way it's 90 degrees, just whoop into the ditch. Luckily, it sounds like no one else was on the road. So yeah. there was like, yeah, he stayed back and... She kind of was just hurting herself, which is not good either. But luckily, no one else was hurt in the process. But then because she was so drunk, she didn't really feel anything. Still not good, but no one was hurt in the making of this accident. What would you do if you saw that happening? I don't know what I would do. I think I'd be in shock. And then you just, by that time, you would have been like a mile or two down the road. Like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I probably would have froze. I mean, both of the times I've had close encounters... Or actually, the one time I did get hit, I just froze. That would be me. I would see that happen. And I'd just, just be, like, stopped on the road. Also, like, he's he left his keys there. It's like, if anything happens, you drive away. And it's like, so I don't know if I would feel safe approaching said person. But, like, you know, you can call someone and be like, oh, you know, something here. You can deal with it. Yeah. Like Joseph said from, like, way back earlier this season, yeah. he was like, when you see something on this high road, just call 911 and let them know and let them handle it like don't try to get involved especially if you don't have any training whatsoever yeah. like you don't know what you're who you're going to be approaching this actually reminded me of the accident we saw on the way to virginia not too long ago and how i wasn't really paying attention because you were driving and i just heard a bang and then i saw there was an accident in front of us i didn't see it happen <laughs> i was driving and i didn't really process that an accident had happened until you're like oh my god an accident happened i heard the bump and then all of a sudden the person in front of me slammed the brake so i like quickly swerved into the left lane obviously i checked there was nobody there <laughs> i swerved into the left lane and then hit the brakes because there was someone in that lane too stopping but they were a little bit further and i'm like why did we just stop we drive slowly by and we're like oh someone just that just happened <laughs> that literally just happened <laughs> i mean like i saw the car that got hit i saw them veer onto the sidewalk and then 
come back and I'm like, were they really trying to avoid something that they jumped the curb? But I didn't realize it was an accident until you told me it was an accident. <laughs> My brain didn't comprehend. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> It happened in front of us. Yeah, I didn't really process until we drove by and the person's airbag was deployed. And we're like, uh, that happened. That was crazy. Well, that was Rob's crazy driving experiences. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review. It truly does help us get discovered. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with Vanessa from New York. Thank you for choosing to drive with us, and we'll see you all next week. That person just arrived at the stop sign. So this person didn't stop. They just slowed down at the sign and speed up right behind me and slammed their horn. And I just pulled over just to get away with the person. But the person actually stopped and rolled their window down and threw obscenities at me.